You're listening to Rivercast, brought to you by River of Life Church in Gilderland, New York. Now here's Pastor Sean. And uh, it got, I am so grateful to be out here with you guys. I think we should just make a new rule that even when COVID's over, every nice Sunday, we should just know we're going to meet outside, right? When it's not too hot, not too cold, not rainy. So uh, I think we should just do this all the time. I think it's fantastic. Before I uh, open God's Word and share with you uh, from Matthew again, uh, I wanted to take just a minute for us to pray for our teachers and our students and our administrators. You know, in, back in the spring and the summer, just uh, the fast and furious, all our healthcare workers were under such fire and in the hospitals and such need for prayer. And really what's happening now is in, so many of you guys are either educators or you have kids in schools and you've been, you know, trying to figure out those decisions. Do I send my kid to school? Do I keep them and do remote learning? What happens if, you know, they have to shut down? Like I guess this week Mahanasin did, right? Uh, I think they closed for a bid and so uh, oh okay thank you I did not know that was happening I thought the wind is blowing the tin and I'm about to get hit uh, so anyway I um, I would love for us to just take a minute to just pray for our local schools our colleges we have so many even in our own church that are uh, involved in that and professors and just ask for God's grace upon them and and just so stressful I've, I've talked with students you know they've they're having to make the, the jump to the online, and that's a big push, and school's hard enough as it was, so let's ask just God's mercy and grace on them this morning, because our, our kids are, especially this next week, will be headed back to school, so let's pray for them. Father, I'm, just, uh, I'm reminded of how great and graceful and powerful you are, that you love us, and that you want to hear our prayers. And Father, we pray for our students, and we pray for our teachers and administrators, Lord, I pray that uh, for your grace in their life, help them to overcome the challenges and difficulties. Help them to have wisdom, Lord, I pray, uh, as they walk through this new semester. Father, um, I pray that they would shine as a light. I know there's going to be difficult days, but Lord, in the middle of those difficulties, I pray they'd experience your peace and joy and in turn to be able to be a testimony to those around them. I lift them to you, Father, in Jesus' name, amen. All right, before I share, I need to talk to my sound guy. I'm, ha I'm hearing wind. Are you, is that obnoxious to you guys? Can you hear me? Do I need to start yelling or do I keep going? I'm looking. I'm okay. All right, everybody tells me we're okay. Okay. Jesus never had a microphone, and he kept, I'm going to just keep pushing forward, even if the guys keep, I don't know why. The thing just is like over my head. It's just weird. So anyway, I want to make an assumption this morning that, um, that you want God involved in your life that you want God's blessing in your life throughout the week. You don't want to be just the kind of person that says, well, I went and did my religious duty this week. I came and sat, you know, outside at church, and at least I got to watch the birds and the, you know, and the trees and enjoy some sunshine. I, I'm going to assume that you really want God to be present in your life 24-7, that where you go, that you experience His presence in your life, that you experience His blessing, that He's walking with you in life. Of all the Beatitudes that we've looked at, as we've been walking through, the, there's eight of those blessings that Jesus tells us. This morning, Jesus gives us a, a straight line to how you and I can experience God in our life. He doesn't have to spend a paragraph unpacking it. He doesn't have to write some sort of formula on a board that we sit at and look and go, what in the world? Jesus very simply in Matthew 5, 8, 
He says this, he says, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. If you want to see God in your life, if you want to see God's glory up close, if you want to experience His hand in your life, if you don't want to walk through life trying to figure it all out yourself, to walk through life isolated, lonely, separated from God, or just kind of, you know, detached, if you will, but if you really want an up-close and personal walk with God in your life, Jesus said, this is the avenue for you. Blessed are the pure in heart, because they categorically will see God. Now, why did Jesus, why did our Lord say to us, pure in heart? You know, there's a lot of words in the Bible for sin. There's all kinds of words, you know, there's sin and wickedness and ungodliness, there's lawlessness, and the Bible is so descript with some of these words, and we tend to be just like bad or good, right? If we're talking to our kids, you've been bad, you've been good. We kind of just boil it down to one or two words, and, and the Bible describes it in, in much more holistically. Likewise, the Bible also describes being good with a lot of different words. There's righteousness, there's godliness, there's good, right? There's holy and holiness. Why didn't Jesus say, blessed are the good, for they'll see God. Blessed are the righteous, for they'll see God. Blessed are the holy, for they'll see God. Why did he say pure in heart? Blessed are the pure in heart, because they'll see God personally in their life. There's several reasons for this, I believe. One of those is because the Bible always puts a priority on our heart. Our Lord Jesus put it, the priority on our heart. The Bible teaches us that our priority is, is His priority in our life is always on our heart. Listen to what Proverbs 27:19 says. It says this, "As in water, face reflects face." If you're out camping and you're up early in the morning and you look in the water and that sun comes up, you can see your face in the water. And the Bible says, so just like when you look at your face in the water, so the heart of man reflects the man. You see, our heart tells us, it reflects back to us who we really are. Just like when we look in a mirror and you're sitting there in the morning staring at yourself, brushing your teeth or whatever, you're looking at yourself in the mirror. Our heart is a reflection of the real us. The Bible puts a priority on who we are really inside of ourselves. Proverbs 4.23 says this, Keep your heart with all vigilance to watch it carefully, to be careful, because out of it, up from it, flow the spring, the issues of life. Everything in our life flows from our, our heart. In our popular world today, we, you know, we, I love you with all of my heart. We kind of make the heart the center of our love, and we kind of make that the heart. But when the Bible's talking about heart, it goes much deeper. It's much further. The, the heart is the source of all that we are on the inside. It's, the, it's the, the very center of our values. In fact, Jesus later said, he says, where your treasure will be is, there your heart will be also. So, out from our heart flows our, our values. It's our center of our thinking, our attitudes, our desires, our beliefs. It's everything that really makes us who we are comes out of our heart. I like science. 
I studied, uh, my background was wildlife management, and so I, I had to study all kinds of natural sciences and all that in, in college, and I enjoyed most of it. Some of it I wasn't too keen on. Invertebrate zoology, let me just say that's really not my thing, all right? I like things that have backbones that I don't have to look through microscopes at and all of that. And in our scientific world, as we get to know our, our bodies and as we kind of dive deeper with all the scans and brain scans and all of that, there's a, there, so much of that is so helpful to us. But there are some bad understandings that's happening as a result of some of that. We are slowly, I believe, in culture reducing people to being mere machines. Sean, are you saying science is bad? No, I'm not saying that. I'm not saying the medical field doctor is fantastic. Glad they can map the, the, the human genome and all of that. I'm not talking about any of that. But I am saying this. As we focus and as we understand that world more and more, we subtly are seeing people as more of a computer, more of a, a, a compilation of, of programming, of coding. And consequently, in our popular culture around us, we're increasingly seeing people as not responsible for the stuff that's inside of them. Everybody's like, well, wait a minute, I just have, you know, I've got some bad genetics from my family. It makes me this way. You know, I've, maybe I had some bad upbringing, and that's the cause for it. And, and the Bible tells us that, no, actually, our heart is the source of all of these things. And as we've talked about it before, guys, so increasingly so around us, the world doesn't have the tools at its hand, even the framework to address those kinds of things. And yet Jesus puts his finger... If you really want to know God, puts his finger on the very source of it. Your heart has to be pure. So if you want to know God, it takes a pure heart. So the Bible puts a priority there because that's the real us. That's us on the inside. No matter how much science advances and how much we're able to discern everything, you can never get people's tastes and what people value and what they like and their preferences and their attitudes. That'll never be able to be boiled down and, and as we look for reasons for people's behavior in a certain chromosome or a certain genetic or a certain desire, that that will never explain who we really are. Jesus says, blessed are the pure in heart. In the heart. Our second reason why he talks about heart is because we have a tendency to only look on the outside. We, we have a tendency as people to look at what we see. To understand that. You know the story in, in the Old Testament when Samuel was commissioned by God to go name a new, a new king and he sends him to Jesse's family and, and, and Samuel calls Jesse and his sons there to a big feast and he's ready to anoint the new king. I mean, this is a big day. And, and Jesse sends his sons forward and his oldest son comes forward and Samuel looks at him and is like, this is the guy. Look at him. He looks stately and he looks incredible. And God says, nope, you're looking on the outside, I'm looking at his heart. Now think about it with me, this guy wasn't an axe murderer. He was a good boy. He was there honoring his dad. He was serving his dad well. In fact, we see him and his brothers out fighting war. He, he was a good man, if you will. But God looks through all of that and he looks into our soul and he sees who we really are on the inside. And our tendency is to only look on the outside. You see, Jesus is challenging us this morning to say, guys, if you really want to know 
my Father, if you really want to live a life that walks with me, you're going to have to look into your heart. And you're going to have to allow me to look into your heart. And your heart is going to have to be pure. That goes way farther than you know what you did last week. That goes into the motivations and the thoughts and the things that we struggle with and the, the inner workings of our mind and the jealousies and the anger and the hatred and the bitterness. That gets to all of that stuff that we try to compartmentalize and stuff into a corner and, oh, I'm not mad. You know, I know you're mad. I can see you. No, I'm not mad. I'm just, I'm irritated. Okay, that must be the new word for mad. We've all played that game, right? Because we're, we're talking on the outside, and yet our God looks at the inside. Third reason, I'm going to move on. Third reason why Jesus just kind of deeply just goes to the center of things is because our sin, that stuff that we do wrong, not on the outside, but it's all wrong on the inside, that stuff fogs and it clouds our view so that we can't see God. Look what Hebrews says. Hebrews 12, 14 says this, Strive for peace with everyone and for holiness, without which no one will see the Lord. You see, that stuff that's on the inside that we ignore, we try to make excuses for, well, I don't know where that came from, I don't know why I said that, I don't know why I did that, I don't know who that was. All of that stuff that we try to dismiss, that's the stuff that Jesus is putting his finger on and that's the stuff that clouds us. You know, remember the last time that you drove in a complete whiteout or just a fog that was so thick, you know, nighttime and you're just out of nowhere and you literally have to slow down 20 miles an hour because you can't even see the other cars. I mean, you're barely, you've driven in some of those times. I mean, literally, you just have to watch that line on the right side of the road because you can't see anything else and, and you just, you have to go so slow. That's what sin, that's what that junk in our heart does. Jesus is challenging us this morning. When you and I are constrained and we're caught up and bound in all of that stuff inside of us, it obscures our view of God. We don't see God. Our relationship with God is, is not what it could and should be. And, and it just so obscures all of it. So the only chance that you and I have to experience all of the blessing of God in our life, to experience eternity with Him, the, the relationship that He desires for us today, is our heart has to be pure. Now before I move on, just a, a couple of applications to us. If God puts the priority there for us, that's where we should put the priority in our own life. And we tend to think about the outside behaviors, right? But God says, no, I want you to think about the inside of you. I want you to think about the conversation you're having in your head. I want you to think about the, the frustration and why you're envious, why you're jealous. I want you to think about all of those challenges in your heart. He wants us to pay attention to those things. Because that's where God wants to meet us. That's where He wants to purify us. That's where He wants to pour His hand sanitizer, if you will, and get all of that out of there. It also means that's where you and I, mom and dad's here today, where you need to put your emphasis with your kids. Most of us, and I, is my, I'm still, still a dad. You're always a dad, right? Even if your kids are grown, right? 
my kids are in that process, so I'm learning how to be a dad, but not a dad when they're like this. A dad when I look up to them and like, hey, can I borrow your car keys for a change? <laughs> you know, that's a nice day, isn't it? It's awesome. But we all as parents have been guilty of thinking about what the kid's doing on the outside. They're acting up and they're doing all this stuff. Why can't you just do what I said? Why can't you do this and that and that? And what Jesus is telling us, guys, is, is even as parents that that's not where we should put our emphasis. It should be the why they're doing what they're doing. We should get into the heart of the matter and the heart of things, even in our, our relationships with, with other people and, and whether we're married or not or any of those that those are the issues. We should be sitting back and sitting down and working through those things. It's the heart that matters. It's the heart that counts before God. Now, what does it mean to truly see God? To see God means that we know Him. I've never been to the Grand Canyon. Have any of you, how many of you have been to the Grand Canyon? I'm sure a bunch of you guys have. It's big, awesome. Is it, it's even better than the pictures, right? Did anybody hike down? Like you can hike down into the Grand Canyon, or you guys did? Did you take like the, like they take mules and horses down there, or did you just walk? Walk whole way down? A mile? Okay. Enormous, right? Makes you feel like that. I've seen, I've heard from people that have been to the Grand Canyon, and I've seen pictures, but that's a million miles from me knowing the Grand Canyon. Until you put your little bony toes over and look, you know, and kind of yell and hear what you hear and see what you see and experience that, you don't know it. See, what God is, Jesus is telling us is that we get a chance to see God. Way more glorious than any Grand Canyon, way more glorious than any trip to outer space, way more glorious than if you're a science nerd diving into the depths of microscopes and all the amazing things that are out there. To see Him is to know Him. So what our Lord is telling us, guys, if you really want to know God, if you really want to move past religion, if you really want to move past just the doing of the stuff, and if you really want to know what's important, your heart and its purity is what matters. For some individuals here today, that means that, that maybe in your life that you've been religious most of your life, and believed in God, but you've never really taken that step of asking the Lord Jesus to, who died on the cross for you to forgive you and save you from your sin. And because of that, you're not in a place where you're pure in heart. And so you're, playing, you're doing all the rules, but you're not really experiencing God in your life. For others of you, you've taken that step long ago and you have a relationship with God. And there's been seasons in your life where you've lived in a way that you've experienced God's presence. But what we're hearing today is, is that we only get to experience God in relation to the purity of our heart. In relation that we're allowing the God of heaven to purify us. And so we kind of... We, we have a relationship with God and we get comfortable to go just so far in our walk with Him. But God is calling us and wants us to experience Him more and more in that. So to see Him is to know Him. To see Him is to experience Him in, him in your life. To experience what He's up to. to. To see Him answer prayers in your life. To see Him work. To look at the world around you and to see His handiwork. Listen to what Psalm 119 says. I was already there until the wind flipped my pages on me. 
Listen to what Psalm 119 says. The Bible says this. Some of you guys are still doing the Psalm uh, 119 challenge. I got off two or three days, so I'm still in the middle of it. So if you fell away from it, or if you're like, oh, yeah, I did say I would do that, Sean, and you haven't done a thing with it, that's okay. Just start back up tomorrow, right? Just stay on it. I've loved walking through it, and it's been such a blessing to me. Psalm 119.64 says this, The earth, O Lord, is full of your steadfast love. Teach me your statutes. The earth is full of your love. God, I look around and all I see is your love and, and what's around me. See, that's a person who knows God. That's a person who's seeing and experiencing God in his life. See, when you and I don't have a pure heart, we look around the world and we don't see God's blessing. We don't see God's love. In fact, we look at the world and say, it's pretty bleak and dark out there. It changes your perspective because instead of just looking at the junk, which is real, you also see God in the middle of junk. You see the, the sunshine in the middle of the storm. You see what God is doing in the middle of all of those challenges. He's telling us is that when you pursue this path of your life to know God, there's not a day that you wake up that you can't look into the world around you and no matter what the difficulty, no matter what the challenges, no matter, no matter what the confusions may be, there's not a day that you wouldn't say, but I don't see God anywhere. I don't see Him. No, because you will always see His hand in the middle of that. You'll always be able to, to process and see that God is a God who works even in ways that we don't understand. We experience Him. We see Him in His glory. We see His presence, His, experience, His, His grace in our life today, and we experience all of that. See, guys, that's what the Christian life is all about. It's not a set of rules that you sign up for to say, yes, I'm going to do this, or yes, I'm going to do that. It's not like you know, joining the military where you have to learn all the new ways and things you've got to live and the things you've got to do to, to please your, those over you because you signed up and agreed to it. It's actually, it's not, like, it's not like you and I trying to you know, score tickets to go to Disney World or the latest concert or the whatever game we're trying to get in to go see. The Christian life is a life to be lived with God. It's a life to, to now. We get to, every day, walk forward with Him, not just in the future. Oh, we'll see God in heaven even more. I believe what God does is He actually increases our capacity to see Him. That's part of what heaven's all about. But what really it's about is not the destination, it's not the mansion, it's not any of that. It's about Him. It's about Him in your life. And when you live in a way and you experience God's purity in your life, you see that. I, I, as you guys know, I like to fish sometimes. I am not a good fisherman. If you really want to learn how to fish, don't come with me, all right? So I go and I catch a few and uh, we have fun. And they make glass sunglasses, and many of you guys, I'm sure, have them that are polarized, right? How many of you guys have polarized sunglasses or know that you have them? All right, some of you do. You know, polarized sunglasses, the way they work, they have a filter on them, and they reduce the glare. So, you know, if you're on the, on the lake or the river or whatever, and it's a sunny day, not only are you getting the sun direct coming at you, but you're getting the reflection off the water, and it creates a haze, and you don't see as well. 
And apparently the filter, there's the, the polarization has like vertical slits that allows the sunlight to come in this way, but doesn't let all that, that other light that's bouncing around in. So you see more clearly. So when you're fishing, if you don't have polarized glasses on, you look in the water, you don't see much of anything. But when you put polarized glasses on, you can actually see down in the water and you can see the fish. That's kind of what God, Jesus is telling us, is that the purity in heart allows us to see the hand of God in our life and to walk in a way that we feel His security and His blessing. We feel His grace. We feel His comfort. We feel His chastisement when we're messing up because He's pulling us back in, but we experience life with God. Now, I don't know about you, but there's a lot of things that we could live our life for today, guys. And you've pursued those things as much as I have. And if you look back at your life, they haven't gotten you anywhere, have they? In fact, some of them have really gotten you in some bad spots. There's nothing in life worth pursuing like God. Because God comes into our world and He saves us and He gives us a relationship with Him. And we experience all of that today. Christianity is not even like life insurance to where we say, well, I just want to get, you know, make sure I got insurance for when I die, I can go to heaven. That's wonderful. But God wants us to know Him and experience Him in our life today, to experience that. When we live in that way, when we, when we begin to step into this world of pursuing God and, and pursuing Him and the purity that He wishes to bring into our, our life, into our heart, what it does is this, is it creates a spiritual momentum in our life. Momentum is an awesome thing. Momentum is what happens when you are driving your car down the, the, the interstate and you've stepped on the gas and you've climbed the hill and your car had accelerated and you can let off the gas because your car wants to just kind of keep on trucking, right? Momentum is also, it, it works against you. Like it will keep you from going where you want to go. It either works for you or it works against you, right? When you and I are pursuing God, in the process of that, in that, that purity in heart, we see God. And as we see God, it leads us back to more and more purity. Listen to what 2 Corinthians says. We're going to go to 2 Corinthians after this series of the Beatitudes, so a couple weeks we'll be there. But listen to what chapter 3, verse 18 says. And we all, with unveiled face, talking about those who are followers of Jesus, with an unveiled face, no, no covering, no obscurity, no fog, no haze, we're beholding the glory of the Lord. We're seeing it. We're gazing into it. We're staring at it, not just glancing. But we're studying and looking at the very glory of God. Now listen to what it says. Beholding the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. Here's what Paul is telling us. He's saying this. When you see and behold and gaze in to the God of heaven, that you in turn on the inside are transformed into that same glory. You see, as we see God, God leads us back to more purity and more holiness. And as we have been seeing and experiencing more purity and more holiness, we want more of God. It creates this, 
this momentum loop that we pursue God. It's so easy, and I see so many Christians, and I've lived that, I lived that way early in my college years. I was a follower of Jesus, but I was not pursuing Jesus in the middle of, that, of, of my life. And I've just kind of was, I was, you know, living life and doing my thing. And when you do that, you're not living in a way that truly is pursuing and experiencing all of the purity that God has. And I'm, consequently, God's more distant to you. God's more like that, that distant aunt, you know, that you maybe met once or twice that sends you a birthday card, sends you some money, but you really don't know and hang with. And there's a lot of people who are genuine followers of Jesus but because they're not pursuing God, they've not experienced that momentum yet in their life, they just kind of are, are there. And it's not making sense. And to be honest with you, life's not working out very well for them. And they feel distant from God. And they're looking around and like, well, I believe in God. I, you know, I know Jesus. I know the songs. And I get all of that. And what God is trying to, Jesus is trying to do this morning is to challenge us to pursue Him, to create some spiritual momentum in our life, to experience His hand in our world, day in and day out. And the pathway to Him out there is allowing Him to change us in here, to allow that glory to transform us. See, so often we try to change our behavior on the outside. It's almost like we try to rub it in, and as parents we do that. We, we, you know, if we keep telling our kids enough and we keep getting them to do the right things, that maybe hopefully one day something will stick, right? That's not the way that it works. What God does is He transforms us. He injects us, if you will, from the inside, that new nature. And when He, he does that, then everything else begins to change in our life. Last thing I want us to know, and you, the sun's peeking out and I see you guys glancing and struggling with it. How do you and I experience that purity of heart? How do we get there? It's a process. You're never 100% there. Nobody can walk around this planet, has ever walked this planet, and said, oh, I'm completely, perfectly pure, except Jesus. There's always a growth because we're sinners by nature. That's our, that's our reality. But God more and more wants to work that salvation inside of us that He already declared us, that He called us when we trusted and surrendered to Him. How do we experience that pure in heart? We can't do it ourselves. In fact, the Bible says, Proverbs 29, Who can say, I have made my heart clean, I am pure for my sin? Who can say that? Nobody. Our heart's sinful. It's wicked. As I mentioned earlier, the world more and more around us is trying to find excuses and reasons to why we do things. Well, she's doing this because she had a bad upbringing. He's doing that because he had trauma in his life. He's doing that and he's struggling because of this. And there are some rational thinking and reasons why those pains are there. I'm not making light of any of those things whatsoever. But the Bible goes much deeper than that. That your life and my life is messed up not because of our genetics and not because of the experiences of life, the way we were raised or what happened to us and the other things in our life. Our, our, war, our life is messed up because at our core on the inside, we're sinners. 
at the, on the inside, we're corrupt. And so we can't possibly change that. Only God can do that. That's something that he's the only one strong enough that can lift that weight. He's the only one that, that can go in and clean us up. Do you remember the, uh, the nuclear reactor meltdown that happened in J Japan like maybe almost 10 years ago? I think it was 2011. It's like, you know, it was the next version of Chernobyl, if you're old enough to remember Chernobyl. And those are kind of the two big ones. There was an earthquake that happened in Japan, and, and uh, in this particular uh, nuclear uh, plant, I think they had six reactors. There were one or two were offline. There were three that were active, and a, a huge earthquake happened not far from there. And, and because of the earthquake happened, it, it, made, it messed up all the electrical systems, and so the power grid went down. They had emergency generators, so the generators kicked on. So, you know, because you don't want your nuclear reactor to not have power. It needs, it needs power. You've got real problems because it creates a tremendous amount of heat, and that heat has to be cooled. And if it doesn't get cooled, the, 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 um, the radioactive material and all of that just begins to literally burn through everything that it comes in contact with. Well, when the generators kicked on, what they didn't know was happening is it set off a tsunami. A 45, almost 50-foot wall of water came. This reactor, I mean, this is Japan, right? It's a, it's a nation of islands. It was right on the coast, and this wall of water, 50 feet high, washed over their walls, flooded their basement, flooded the generators, took everything out. Now they had no power. Over the next three or four days, they experienced hydrogen ex explosions in like four of those reactors. People died, roofs blew, blew off, and that's not even the, the, the radio, radioactive material that just began to be released everywhere. To this day, my understanding is, is they're still struggling to contain all that nuclear byproduct into that one place. In fact, they've created a, they have frozen the ground one mile circumference around that reactor site where they keep it frozen. I don't know how they do that. You guys are smarter than I am. If they're pumping, I mean, it take a lot of Freon or whatever you're doing to really keep that thing cold, but a mile wall trying to keep the seawater from in it because the radioactive material that's all is blown out. That's a picture of where you and I are spiritually before God. That yellow jacket wanted a piece of me. That, that's a spiritual picture of what's happened on the inside of us. There's been a spiritual radioactive meltdown inside of our souls that's the source of all the junk that we think and that we do and all of that. It's not the outside stuff that the world's done to us. It's our own doing. And so God, the great news is God says, regardless of what's been done to you, regardless of who you are, where you've been, how awful things have been, I want to clean you up. I want to make you right. I want to put you back together and make you whole and make you healthy. And He's the one that does that. He's the one that purifies us. Psalm 139, so, so what do you do? Ask God. Like most things, truly ask Him and say, God, I recognize this about me. I know that even though I've had a hard time and this and that, God, would you change me? Listen to what Psalm 139 says. It says this, Search me, O God, and know my heart. God, would you look into the depths of my soul? That Fukushima meltdown, I 
To this day, they still haven't been able to design and get robots that can withstand the high level of radioactivity to see exactly where everything is. They're running off of computer models of what they think might have happened on the inside. Here we are a decade later. God, would you send into my soul and search the depths of my soul? Try me and know my thoughts. Lord, test me. Dig in. Be my spiritual doctor. And see if there's any grievous way in me, any impurity, any sin, any wrong, anything that's inappropriate, any bad attitude, values, beliefs, all of that. And God, would you lead me in the way everlasting? That's what the Bible tells us. The amazing thing is, is that God answers and honors that prayer. Sean, is it that simple? What's well, it that simple to start with? To say, God, would you work into my life? Now, Sean, I've tried that, but I still struggle. You're, you're going to. God doesn't wave a magic wand over us. He's not our fairy godmother, bippity-boppity-boo, and, you know, turns you into a horse or pumpkin or whatever, you know, or however the, the Cinderella story goes. Instead, God begins to work and take us through and begins purifying us. If you've taken the Psalm 119 challenge, you know that the writer says, he says, God, you afflicted me in love. The Bible elsewhere says that in faithfulness, God afflicts us. See, when you're asking God to dig into your soul, that's not a comfortable place. Is it ever fun or comfortable to go to the doctor? Anybody ever get excited? My dog likes to go to the vet because he gets a ride in the car and he gets a treat. But I've never gotten a treat, and riding in the car is no big thing for me when I go to the doctor. So I don't get excited about it. You don't either. It's always uncomfortable. So there's a level, though, and I don't know how God does that. When we pray that prayer and are genuine in pursuing God, initially there's some uncomfortability because God discovers some stuff to us. He, he knows it's there, and He shows it to us, and we don't like it. But if we're genuine, God has a way of dealing with us. He loves us still. And he cleans us up. And he, he resets the dislocated bone. And it begins to feel better. And it begins to function the way that it was supposed to. And we're like, wow. Thank you, God. So ask him. And allow him to begin to work in your life. And allow him to, to, to dig into your soul. And the last one I'm going to leave you with is very simply those things. And if you're doing the Psalm 119 challenge, you're seeing it over and over and over again. But it's asking God and it's looking into his word. Because into his word is where we see God. And where we see God, he begins to change us on the inside. And it's, it's through meditating and, and reading and allowing God to point those things out and to speak into our soul. Too often you and I are distracted in life. It's like driving under the influence. We live under the influence of whatever's around us. And I'm as guilty as the next person. And God's like, uh, can I have your attention, please? It's like God's on the microphone and we're just ignoring him and blasting the music, you know. Moms and dads, it's like, you know, the kids when they have the earbuds in, you're like, you know, they can't hear you and you're sitting there trying to get their attention. God is doing that to you and me. And when you and I sit and we open the Bible, that's when the earbuds come out. That's when the TV's off, the computer's down. And we're saying, God, speak. And we give God the microphone into our heart. When we begin to live that way in our life, 
God through time purifies us and he loves us and he heals us and he forgives us and all the stuff that we feel shame for and even the stuff that initially we're like, oh my goodness, that's so bad. God accepts us and he loves us through it and he purifies us in our life. So guys, if you want a life with God, there's no other pathway for you. There's none. There aren't a lot of options here. He says, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. So we all agree, none of us are naturally pure. We're all spiritually radioactive. But the cool thing is God says, but I want to help you. And I want to change that heart. And I want to introduce myself to you. And I want you to see me and live with me. And as you do as you've surrendered your life to the Lord Jesus to save you from your sin, you enter into that relationship that you see God. And as you see God, you see yourself. And as you see yourself, you're like, I don't like that. I don't want any of that anymore. God, I want more of you. And you begin to walk away from that, and you begin to walk toward God. So this morning, would you take that next step? Maybe you've been coasting in your spiritual life. Maybe you've just been like, yeah, I'm saved. I'm going through the motions. And you haven't really been pursuing God. I want to challenge you. Will you truly pursue God in such a way that you see Him in His glory? We won't ever see Him like He wants to reveal Himself to us in heaven. But you will, I promise, you pursue Him in that walk, you will see Him more and more in your life. And every day you'll begin to walk with Him. Would you take that next step? whatever that might be. For some of you guys, it might be simply reading and completing that Psalm 119 challenge. For others of you, it might be having a conversation with somebody. I want to know more what Sean was talking about. I didn't understand that. There's plenty of people here that you could talk to, and if they won't talk to you because they're not nice or don't like you or whatever, then I'll be glad to talk to you. Maybe you need to, to do something else. I don't know. But in your heart, would you take that step this morning. I'm going to pray for us. We have a closing song today. Our worship team is going to come back up and we're going to sing Happy Day. And it's a happy day when we get to walk with our God. So pray with me, would you? Father, I thank you for the Lord Jesus who died for us. And God, I know in my life there's times that I have not pursued you. And Lord, I just sense that you want us as a people to see you and to know your glory to walk with you. That's the whole point of our salvation. It's the whole point of our life is to be lived with you. Lord, forgive us when we allow substitutes to take that place, to think that other things are cooler or better or worth our time. Forgive us for blowing you off, for ignoring you. Forgive us for trusting other things and just our past religious experiences. Father, would you help us to know you, to live life fully with you, Father, would you help us to be pure in heart, I pray. Search our hearts, O oh God. Know our thoughts. Try us, Father, and see if there's anything in there that you want to address. God, teach us to be that kind of people that opens the door every day to just let you do what you want to do and to speak into our hearts. Father, I pray your blessing on everyone here this morning. Thank you for such a beautiful day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to Rivercast, brought to you by River of Life Church in Gilderland, New York. 
Visit us on Sundays at 10 a.m. or online at riveralbany.com.